into the contest. It's State of Origin Wednesday, 13th of July. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Shadwicker here filling in for Tim Gilbert, joined by Shane Lee. Shane, oh, it is Origin. What are you going to do to watch uh, New South Wales lose tonight? Where are you going to be doing it? Well, we won't be losing. I'll be watching this at home on the couch. And I thought I like to match. You know, I like my cooking, so I like to match what food I'm going to have with my sporting events. So I thought, how can I celebrate the Blues win? So I'm going to do hamburgers tonight and put some beetroot on the hamburgers. And when I bite in it, it's going to... Bleed maroon blood, mate, out of the hamburgers. There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, it does. It is stacking up towards you guys. We'll get into that a little bit later on in today's episode. We are obviously talking origin, uh, AFL as well. Big change up for North Melbourne, some cricket and much more. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Take a look at cricket to kick things off. More Aussie pain after uh, the loss has cost us with the World Test Championship race, Shano. Yeah, we're in the second season of the um, the World Test Championship. Australia has uh, slipped to number two after the, the drawn series against Sri Lanka. Uh, South, South Africa's gone to number one position with 71% uh, win ratio. Australia at 70%. Sri Lanka third after that fantastic win. Wow. Um, they're ahead of Pakistan, India and the West Indies. And funnily enough, that... Uh, New Zealand, who won the inaugural Test Championship last year, are way down the pack, mate. How does that work? Does everyone have to play each other or, or what? Because you could just be strength of schedule, couldn't it? Yeah, potentially, but uh, you get more points for winning away from home. Uh, I think you get right. more points for playing in, in foreign conditions. Uh, it all comes down to that, but then how, how much you dominate and, and how much you beat the other teams by. So they're all factored in. I think it was a really good initiative last year, and it's brought a lot of energy back into Test cricket, which is great. There you go. Now, keeping on cricket, I'm loving this story. Yeah, me too. Uh, farmers in India... <laughs> Set up a fake IPL league that fooled a bunch of Russian gamblers. Yes, that is a real story. That's a, that's a coup, isn't it? Only, only the Indians could fool the Russians. Is- <laughs> Who would have thought? But it was what they did. They set up a fake um, IPL tournament. And they had they paid farmers five dollars each to pretend they were cricketers, <laughs> and they went out and played matches. They had high tech cameras. Um, they had fake crowd noise that they just downloaded from the internet and had graphics. And they even had like a harsher Beaujolais commentator who yeah. impersonated him. And yeah, they, they they reaped in about, I think it was 300,000 rupiah, which is only $4,000. But they've now been arrested for criminal conspiracy, <laughs> these blokes, but they got away with it for they a while. They made it to the um, finals of their league, <laughs> which is phenomenal before the, the real IPL picked up on what was happening. Unreal. I'd have poor research by the Russian gamblers as well to think that the IPL's still on. Yeah, any sports corporate bookmakers out there, maybe target the Russians because the IPL actually actually finished three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, man, uh, let's talk about tennis. The uh, aftermath at Wimbledon. This was a fascinating one because I was amazed that this wasn't getting spoken about more during the tournament. Mm. And to be honest, it probably wasn't getting spoken about a lot during the tournament because of Nick Kyrgios's run through Wimbledon. But Wimbledon wasn't worth any ATP world ranking points this year, which works on a carryover system, which means that even though Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic made the final, they are ranked lower than they were before the Grand Slam. They are, mate. So Nick goes from – he was 40th in the world and he's now 45th. Um, I think Novak's only dropped one position, but it's not going to um, really annoy either player. But, yeah, it's just a shame for Nick that the, the tournament that he's done the best in in his whole <laughs> career, it's actually gone backwards in the rankings. Yeah, it means nothing. I mean, it's so chaotic mm. what Wimbledon decided yeah. to do with that. It's just – to me, it just seems pointless, outrageous. Even – it also seemed a little bit embarrassing for them as well because yeah, the I winner agree. of the women's draw was – uh, from Kazakhstan, and her heritage is Russian. So mm. banning Russian and Belarusian players, and you still had a Russian heritage player win one of your tournaments. It just seemed it just seemed like grandstanding to me, to be honest. But anyway, she wasn't the, she wasn't an Indian impersonator, was she? No, no definitely <laughs> not. I tell you what, Kiros and Novak will be able to uh, swallow that loss of points pretty easily with the multi million dollar prize pool. They yes. won't forget it. So I think I'll be fine. Uh, AFL big change for North Melbourne fans. I mean, look. We knew this was going to happen. You lose 14 games straight, only one win for the season. Coach David Noble mutually agreeing to part ways with the side. Yeah, it's, uh, as you said, 14 consecutive losses. He's won only his whole tenure at the club. He's only won five matches out of 38. And he said, you know, the scoreboard doesn't lie and um, it didn't. It wasn't good reading. So they mutually parted ways. Um what will that mean now for him? Well, it's tough because there's only so many positions in the AFL. It's not like you can go to another country and coach. Mm. Um, I think it'll be Alastair Clarkson, uh, who's currently out of a job, who will take over um, the role next year. Um, the assistant coach, uh, Lee Adams, is currently the interim coach, but I think Clarkson, being a former kangaroo himself, will be the appointed coach next year. It's a fascinating thing to happen for the Roos as well because, like, isn't it in August we find out if Tasmania gets a team Yeah. Um, from the AFL? And there were so many rumours about AFL wanting to just move North Melbourne down to Tasmania. Uh, and then this team goes so poorly and they lose their coach. I mean, geez, there have been more calls for that than ever before, you'd think. Yeah, I, I still can't <laughs> believe that Tasmania doesn't have um, its own team. They, they are a, a football-loving state. Oh, mate, it's going to happen. It'll happen. Yeah, it's, it's got to happen, yeah. And I think I think yeah. where, where North Melbourne is right now, it's the best team to go there. Yeah, I actually think it'll be a new contract. That's what I actually think. There'll be an extra okay. team in the AFL. We'll have to wait and see. AFLW, quick one here. The number one uh, draft pick, Montana Ham. Uh, she made an interesting choice during the draft. They were able to choose whether in the uh, in the AFLW they can choose if they want to play for an interstate team be available for them to be picked. She decided to and ended up at the Swans and she's uh, revealed her reasons why. She's got very good taste, Montana Ham, hasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Going to the Swans, but not the 18-year-old prodigy. Uh, she's apparently 179 centimetres tall and uh, an exceptional midfielder. So she'll bring pace and some energy. But what it really does for the AFLW, uh, this is the final... Um, uh, iteration, I suppose, of the development of the whole competition. So the last four teams to be included, Sydney, mm. Hawthorne, Port Adelaide and Essendon. And now there's 18 teams in the AFLW, which is huge, the same as the men. Yeah, I think it's a great choice by her as well to, to go and join one of these uh, out-of-state comps because it's almost a decision made that she's made for the AFLW to grow. Mm. Um, in order for her to go to Sydney, it means that the comp's going to grow even further. They are easily 
top tier. Like they are the gold standard when it comes to developing uh, the the women's side of their game. And the NRL must be looking at what they're doing at the moment and going, wow, even with how they built their draw for, for this next season, yeah, building all the rivalries, keeping everything to be let's get into these rivalry-fueled games. If the NRL's not looking at that and going, hey, Cowboys-Broncos need to be playing first game for yeah. the NRLW next season, there's something wrong with them. Uh, stay with us, uh, though, through this short break because we'll be chatting NRL and State of Origin Game 3 up next. All right, let's get rid of the normal NRL news uh, first. We'll get that out of the way before we go State of Origin. Benji Marshall coming out and saying that he has a dream to coach the Tigers. This sits well with the rumours that Tim Sheens will be taking over at least for a couple of years and bringing up a consortium of new coaches. Do you think that's going to happen? I think it might. And I think I think timing's very, very good for Benji. He's um, He seems to be the man of the moment currently with uh particularly in the media and he's got a new tv show and he's winning he's winning other shows um michael mcguire as we know has moved on tim sheen will be the coach i believe but what sheen was always to do is to groom a younger coach to take over after him and benji's saying he would like that opportunity and you know he's obviously 346 first grade games has a very very good football brain and if he could be coached under tim sheen's i think that would be a fantastic opportunity for him and a very good outcome for West Tigers. Well, the squad's already um, taking on board one of his suggestions for the team changes. If you look at the team list this week, just after Benji said he'd play Dewey at 5'8 and put Hastings at lock, surprise, surprise, that's what the Tigers have done. So he seems to know how to make a good uh, selection. With that said, they'll probably get pumped by 40. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's proving an issue for them anyway. Keeping on the Tigers as well, though, their woes are getting uh, worse because Eelstar Papali'i is looking to uh, maybe backflip on his $1.9 million contract, which he has an opening for because Madge has been axed. Interesting, isn't it? And I don't know how watertight these contracts are, but as we know, he signed to go to the Tigers for three years, $1.9 million. Um, but he said it, that was basically under the, the proviso that Michael Maguire would be the coach. He's now no longer the coach, as we just spoke about. Mm. Hence, he wants to potentially return to Parramatta. So it, it'll come down to the fine print, uh, whether that was a key part of his contract negotiation. If it is, good news for Parramatta. I'll tell you right now, I don't think he's going to the Tigers. I'll say it. I don't think he's yeah. going to go to the Tigers. I think it's going to take a – they need to okay. announce Sheens immediately to have any chance for it yep. so that he can they can send a coach yep. to him and be like, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're building because, um, yeah, it's, why would you? You know what I mean? And this is the same case okay. when it comes to the Bulldogs. You know, like it's it, you're signing these star players on big-time money. There are reasons that they decide to leave. Also, the, the other part that's not mentioned in this is the Eels have opened up cap room. Players have left, players are leaving. Mm. They can probably get close to matching that contract now, so it's not as big of a hit for him to stick around. Yeah, so yes, they will be going back to the, to the Eels then. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, yep. although, otherwise, the Dolphins, who are in a big trouble at the moment, would love to have him uh, being labelled another bottom four club already, and they haven't even had a chance to put on the uh, boots for the season. Well, it's interesting. There's a lot of commentary around how good and how well the AFL does in supporting, as you mentioned before, the development of these new teams. And we're seeing this in the AFLW and, and that young Montana ham going to the Swans, for et cetera. Mm. The NRL does bugger all to help these new franchises. And I just think they thought... Well, the Dolphins have $100 million in the bank. They own a shopping centre and they've got Wayne Bennett 
players will just flood in. That hasn't been the case just yet. No. And uh, they need to step in and help help this news franchise out. Otherwise, it will fall flat and fall flat hard. Yeah, I think, look, the NRL has a track record for not doing well in supporting new clubs. Like, let's be honest. Mm. Look at every club that has come in as a new club. Uh, It's not since the Broncos that a team has actually come in. That was a merger, really, Yeah, that that team came into the comp. Like, the the, the, the success happened when a new club came in. I mean, the Titans, yep. before that, they were they had one successful moment because they happened to be coming in during a few star players finishing up. But, yep. you know, even then, they, they lasted one year and then it was, you know, this team's not very good at all. Uh, I still think that the Dolphins will put together a side that might scrape into the eight, but that's because I don't think the quality of eight down is as good as people might. You know what I mean? The bottom four is awful, but I actually think that up to eight is very beatable teams. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they should check um, the NRL's new pub they're buying. Maybe they'll find some talent in there. Yeah, go to Gambaris. Grab a couple of people, yeah. <laughs> I like Gambaris. All right, let's talk about the big game. Let's get into it. State of origin, the decider. Yes. New South Wales have not won a decider at Suncorp since 2005. They've only ever done it twice in general in the history of origin. But this year is their best chance. If Queensland win this, it'll be the greatest... Queensland victory of a series. Well, to be honest, it'll be two amazing Queensland victories in the space of three years. The team that the worst team in Queensland history that won the series two years ago, and then it'll be this: the win that they should never have won. No Cameron Munster, Talungi out. That's an easier replacement. You just got pumped by thirty yeah. odd points in Perth. New South Wales have got half the Penrith side that even you know fifteen clubs in the competition can't even figure out how to beat at the moment. You know this is. All stacked to New South Wales. Is there any way the Maroons can win this game, mate? I don't think so. And uh, a very good mate of mine and Queensland legend, Mark Coyne, the, the, the minute Queensland won the first match, one minute after, he called me and said, you suckers, you're hopeless, you got beat by the worst team ever. <laughs> I chose not to return that call after we won the last match, but I did text. I was texting with him yesterday. I said, mate, keep your phone on one minute after this third one. He said, Shane, I'll keep it on if we win, but we won't, we won't, we won't lose. He's very confident. And he said, but if yeah. we do lose, my phone will be off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Like, it's really fascinating. It's it's hard not to – you can't really say much about New South Wales. The side's more or less unchanged. I know that there's a lot of smoke around this Regan mm-hmm. Campbell-Gillard uh, axing, but Saifidi is so aggressive. He'd be itching for a win because he plays with the Knights week in, week out. Yep. But um, this Maroons side, the big question mark is Tom Dearden in this squad. I, as Even as Maroons, like, I wish there was someone else we could pick. And it's nothing against Tom Dearden. I just think that we need, you know, some defensive muscle in there if we're not going to have money in there yeah. sparking. And then it's also what is going to be the spark. I thought Ben Hunt would take that six. I understand the logic, though. He played 80 minutes across 5'8", Hooker and Locke in Game 2, and he's the most versatile of those three players in Grant, Dearden and Hunt. But, man, it's a lot of pressure on Dearden's shoulders, and those shoulders aren't aren't amazing at tackling week in, week out at the Cowboys. So it'll be an interesting one to see what's going to come together. First time in a long time looking at a, a Queensland side that doesn't have depth in the outside backs. That's the weird thing. A lot of depth in the forward, not a lot of depth in the backs. Yeah, and and it just... 
what the overwhelming thing for me is the experience now in in the Blues lineup. So looks going to be interesting, mate. I can't wait for tonight. My mouth guard's ready. I'm going to be on the couch and I'm going to start oh, preparing those hamburgers. Uh, I reckon around five o'clock today. Just get whatever, ready. mate. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go from NRL. You'll love this story, mate. Um, obviously, I'm a big NFL fan. Yes. The American football. It's going to be back. Uh, in about a month's time, this is a period of the year where nothing really happens, Shano. There's no real news. Mm-hmm. The players aren't in camp. Nothing's really happening. But this is a great story. Uh, New York Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, right? He's going to be yep. starting his second year as quarterback. And uh, he has been embroiled in quite the scandal that's playing out Ooh. online at the moment. He uh, broke up with his uh, girlfriend, long-term girlfriend, who is now dating a wide receiver on an opposing team. Uh, but she has revealed uh, in the rumor mill of the online world that apparently the reason they broke up is that he was caught cheating on her with his mum's best friend. Wow. That's a wide receiver. Bloody hell. It sounds like a storyline from one of those orange and black websites, I feel. But uh, (laughs) what an unbelievable story and the worst time for him for it to come out because there is no news in the NFL. So, of course, all the talking heads are going to grab onto this story. Unbelievable. Now, the thing is, though, Shadow, is one of the biggest things about the quarterback position, it's the most important position in sport, as they dub it, and you've got to get the respect of a locker room. You always come in in your early 20s. It's tough on your mummy's boy. Yeah, you've got to try and lead You've got to try and lead these men. So how do you convince these men, get the respect of these men? Well, I think this story definitely earns it. <laughs> I feel like he's going to walk into the dressing room to high fives. They're going to be ready to run through brick oh, walls no. for this guy. <laughs> I don't know if that ever happened uh, to you on tour, mate, but... <laughs> no, never, mate. Straight in the line here, buddy. <laughs> That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And a big thank you to our sponsors. Our fantastic sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow for your daily dose of sport and to see what happens tonight in State of Origin. Come on, Queensland! See you tomorrow, guys. Take care. Go the Blues. Building. Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.